before you sit down, I want you guys to think about something. I want you to ponder something for just a second. That song says, I know it's not much, but I've nothing else left for a king other than a hallelujah in my heart. But do you realize that's what Jesus came for? Was your heart? So never think that what you offer him is not enough. Because sometimes if you're like me, the words seem to really fall short. The thank yous, the praise yous, the hallelujahs don't seem to measure up to what he does and doesn't do for us. But when I think about what Paul says to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, he came for your heart. And if that's all you have to offer, is that in the word of praise? That's everything he came for. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd help me. This is a message that you've laid on my heart. I'm praying it wasn't just for me, Lord, that it's a help to other people as well. But I pray tonight, Lord, just an unusual sense of recognizing and really seeing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through this story tonight. So may you capture our attention. As I just get them prayed a minute ago, Lord, every word I speak, I just pray that you tweak and perfect it for every ear and every heart in this room tonight, Lord. And just help us to meet with you, to hear with you, to grow in you, and to, at the end of this, worship you tonight for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you guys, have a seat. It's nice to see you guys tonight. So when I was a kid, about 18 years old, um, my dad had a, he had a water truck business, right? So I had a two-ton water truck with a tank on the back, and I'm 18 years old, and I'm driving down King Avenue West in Billings, Montana, and I come up to this bridge, and as I get up to the bridge, I'm driving in the summertime, I got my window down, big mirrors on the truck, you know how they are, big trucks. There's this truck and a trailer pulling a piece of farm equipment coming at me, and unfortunately, we meet right on this narrow bridge, and this guy must have freaked out a little bit or something. His trailer started to wobble like this, and as he went by me, his piece of farm equipment hit the mirror of my truck that I was driving, and it shattered the glass on the mirror, and it flew in the cab of the truck. And when it flew in the cab of the truck, it cut the colored part of my eyeball. And my eyeball just starts watering. Like, I'm really surprised. Like, God, even not knowing the Lord back then, I think God helped me get that truck stopped, and I didn't have a big wreck because it was bad because I couldn't see anything. That night, I went into surgery, and... Uh, I had to put three stitches on the colored part of my eyeball. And I'm very fortunate that I've got that eye today. Even the doctors that look at it today, every eye doctor can still see the scar across the colored part. But they're like, I don't know who did that, but you had a very good doctor. And think, that was like just a few years ago when I was 18 years old. So the technology, but I realized something that day when I got surgery that night, because I went in to the emergency room and they looked for the glass and cleaned my eye out. I can walk on my butt because that's what I was doing, because I hate people messing with my eyes, and I'm in that room, and that, they, they literally had to pin me down to the chair, because I was out, because I was very uncomfortable. Now, I say that to say this. Tomorrow, I go back to Sheridan again to the eye doctor, because I'm working with an eye doctor over there trying to figure out my vision with my glasses, because now that that eye's had surgery on it, it's way weaker. As a matter of fact, when I went through the last test, my wife was there two weeks ago at the doctor's office with me, and you know how they put the letters up on the wall? This eye, without my glasses on, the letters are about that big and I can barely read them. So to look at my vision is really hard to figure out my vision. So I'm going back again tomorrow. So if you're in a praying mood, pray for me that this doctor can figure it out because I've already tried once when I put the glasses on. I picked them up on Monday, put them on, and it's like I got somebody else's prescription on. So strike one, that didn't work, we'll try again, right? So, but it's a great doctor and I'm sure she'll get it figured out. Now, I say that because of this. 
Last week I told you guys we were done talking about Elisha. And by the way, if you don't have a bulletin, there's some probably over there on the table, go grab one real quick. Make sure you've got one tonight. But I told you guys last week we were done with Elisha, right? Well, God had a different plan. I'm driving through town on, what's today, Wednesday, last Thursday or Friday. And, I'm, and I had something else picked out that I was gonna share with you guys tonight. I believe God wanted me to share. And I heard a song. One word in a song changed everything. And God brought a scripture to my mind, and that's what we're gonna look at tonight. And it's found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. And what, what really captured my attention to begin with that God laid on my heart was this idea of sight, spiritual sight. And I'm mowing my yard tonight before I come over here. I just mowed my yard real quick because it's supposed to rain, of course. And, I, and God dropped this thought into my head. As we age, our sight gets worse. Reading glasses, everything happens to us, right? As, it's like Martha Reimer told me one time, growing old is not for the faint of heart. It's hard. And there's a lot of things that happen to your body that you have no say on. So as we age physically, our physical eyes get worse. But what I really want you guys to get tonight is our spiritual eyes as we age become stronger because we start to understand and have the insight of God as the longer we live, the more we start to understand who God is, how he acts, how he behaves, and how we should respond to who he is. So when I talk to you guys tonight, I really want you to think about this. The leaders, we've been talking a lot about this over the last couple of weeks. The leaders in this room, I really want you to see their wisdom, their spiritual sight that they have when they view you guys in life. You just, you haven't lived long enough to have the same spiritual sight that some of the leaders have. As you grow in God and as you get more insight, your sight becomes better, but the older we get physically, the worse our physical sight gets, but the older we get, the more wisdom we get, our spiritual sight becomes very strong, and you're gonna see that in the story that I'm gonna talk about tonight. So what I want you guys to do is I want you to turn to your Bibles real quick, or you, you can look at it in the bulletin if you want to. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna break this down a little bit different tonight. I'm going to take and I'm gonna read the passages that I've got in your bulletin, like point number one is verses eight through 14. I'm gonna read those tonight and then I'm gonna break that section down. I'm gonna go read a little bit more, break that section down and then finish it up with the third point, okay? So here's what's happening in, in, uh, in 2 Kings chapter six and we're gonna read verses eight through 23. Elisha's just made the axe head float. That's a great story. Go back and read that. Um, this is after what we looked at last week, but the, the title of this is Elisha Traps Blinded Arameans. Verse eight. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. Remember the king? The king of Aram would have been the one who sent Nahum to Elisha to be healed of leprosy like we talked about last week. So that's the same king. Ben-Hadad is who the king is in case you're wondering. After conferring with his officers, he said to them, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, that being Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel. Note here too, by the way, Elisha and the king of Israel didn't really get along that well. They weren't like best of buddies, but Elisha still knew the right thing to do, the right reason and the right thing to do was to warn the king of Israel, here's what's gonna go on around you. And he, he, he'll go back and read that again. He says, Be, beware of passing that place, he said, to the king of Israel, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God, that being Elisha again. Time, time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad. 
he summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which one of you is on the side of the king of Israel. So in other words, there's a traitor in the camp is what he thinks. Somebody's ratting him out. Somebody's going and telling Israel exactly what their war plans all the time are, and it's driving the king crazy. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel that he knew about already, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your own bedroom. In other words, he knows what's going on. God's letting Elisha know, because Elisha has ears to hear, as the Bible says, what God has to say. We'll get into that a little bit more in just a second. And then he goes on to say, go, the king says, go find out where he is, the king ordered, <clears throat> so I can, I can send men and capture him. Okay, stop there. How bright is this king? <laughs> Think about it. Elisha's telling the king of Israel exactly what the king of Aram is up to, yet the king of Aram says, hey, get some guys and go capture him. Like, duh, like Elisha's not gonna know he's coming, <laughs> right? This is, the bright, this is how bright people are that don't have spiritual sight, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Go find him so, I can, so we send men and so we can capture him. The report came back to him. He is in Dotham. Then he sent horses and chariots and strong forces there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Here's what I wanna look at the very first thing we're gonna look at tonight. I wanna look at Elisha's hearing, his ears, because I'm gonna look at three things. We're gonna look at Elisha's ears, we're gonna look at Elisha's eyes, and we're gonna look at Elisha's heart tonight. But in this story, there's a compare and contrast going on here, because you see the king of Aram, you see them, they're lost. And yet you see Elisha, who's got spiritual sight, spiritual hearing, and a spiritual heart. So you can see a compare and contrast in this tonight. I put at the top of this, the king of Syria was sure there was a traitor amongst the troops. Unbelievers will always think, think back. Think back before you knew the Lord. You didn't reason things out spiritually. You reasoned them out from a world's perspective. And unbelievers are always gonna look at things from a worldly perspective. That's why the king's like, he, he knew Elisha. He knew that Nahum had been healed by Elisha, dipped in the river seven times, the Jordan River. It's like we talked about last week. So he knew Elisha, knew God's voice. He was a mighty prophet. But the king looked at this like, this has gotta be someone in my camp. So basically what was going on here, he's interpreting everything from a worldly point of view and he could hear physically, but he couldn't hear spiritually. I want you to think about this for a second. Play along for just a minute and use your imagination. Imagine to never, ever hear or sense the voice of God ever again. As silent as that is, that's what it's like to be an unbeliever. But even an unbeliever has God still calling him like he did with Adam in the garden. The only time, listen, quiet, shh. The only time a person will ever experience not hearing anything from God, believer or unbeliever, because unbelievers, there's pervenient grace like we've talked about, God's reaching out to an unbeliever, calling them that no one should tarry. He tarries that no one should perish. The only time a person is ever going to experience absolute silence from God is in hell. You don't want that. You don't wanna know what that's like and that's what our Lord's done for us on the cross when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows what it is to be separated from the Father because 
Theologians would say at that moment, the sin of the world came upon Jesus and Jesus, God the Father turned from Jesus Christ. And for the first time, this is how much God loves you. Do you realize that for the very first time in history, in the, as long as God's existed, the Trinity was fractured for a moment in time because of you and because of me. That's the extent God went to to give us the opportunity to be redeemed back into a relationship with him. But he could, Ben-Hadad could hear physically, but he couldn't hear spiritually. Elisha could hear spiritually, both physically and spiritually. He could hear. John 10, 27 says this, my sheep, hear my voice. Are you one of his sheep? I have people tell me all the time, and I'm gonna talk about this in a second. I don't hear from God like that, Dan. Like I'm mowing my yard and God drops this thought in my mind. That's just how God talks to me. He, may not, he may not talk to you the same way. He doesn't talk to my wife the same way. She gets frustrated listening to me. She's like, I want God to talk to me like he does you. She's not me. And God's a good father and he knows how my wife hears. He knows how you hear. And he does speak to you if you're listening because if you're one of his sheep, he says they can hear my voice. God doesn't lie. So you've got to listen so you understand how he speaks to you and then you can walk with him because he says, and I know them and they follow me. The king of Syria had, had also had to learn that he couldn't hide from God. He said, the servant, one of his servants says, he even knows what you say in your own bedroom. Think about your day. Think about the thoughts you had today. You may have never said them, but do you realize God knows every one of those thoughts? I don't know about you, but that makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> to think that I didn't say anything, but these things that rattle around in this head of mine that might not come out of my mouth, God knows. You know how we know that? Because he says in the scripture he does. Psalm 139, one through four says, you search me, you, you have searched me, Lord, and you, have, and you know me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern me, my, my going out and my lying down and, and you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Capture your thoughts. Don't dwell on them. Because if you do, God knows what you're thinking about. Even though we might not say those thoughts, that's why I take those thoughts captive and I change the way I think. When that thing drives, that thing floats through my head, it goes in this ear and goes right out that ear because it's kind of vacant in there to begin with and it flows through quick. Let it go. When the thought comes that doesn't honor God, you take the thought captive and you turn and you make it obedient to Christ. Don't linger on those thoughts because he knows them. How do we hear from God? I want to talk about this for a second. How do we hear from God is through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, you guys, is very faithful to speak to our hearts. I know he does. Jesus says it in John chapter 10, I, they know my voice. I know the Holy Spirit of God speaks to each one of us and he's faithful at that why in the road like we talked about last week. Psst, wait, does it help or harm my relationship? That's the Holy Spirit of God speaking clearly to your heart. He, we hear it through his creation. There's two things. There's the thing called, we were hiking up in Jackson one year for our senior trip several years back and I'm walking along and I stopped all the students. I said, I want you guys to look around. And Jackson, we're going down Cascade Canyon. It is magnificently beautiful. It's an amazing walk. And I said, this, when you look around, theologians refer to this as general revelation. When you go out and you see the stars in the sky at night, that's called general revelation. In other words, God is revealing his majesty through the stars, through the wilderness, through what he's given us here on earth. That's general revelation. Special revelation is his word. 
We hear from God while we're reading the Bible, don't we? How many times have you read the Bible and all of a sudden, I know I've read that passage before, but today it jumps off the page at me. That's God speaking to your heart. So we hear through, his, through the Holy Spirit, through creation, through his word, through other believers. When someone comes up and speaks a word to you and confirms something to your heart, that's God doing through music. That's a big one for me. Personally, I gotta be very careful with the music I listen to. I love ACDC, but I can't listen to them because they're bad for me because my brain, it takes my brain places I don't wanna go. Make sense? I like the highway to heaven, not the other one. That's <laughs> Highway to heaven's the one I wanna be on, right? So through music and then through prayer. Watch this, stop, look at me. When you're praying, watch, try this. When you're in your prayer closet, your position doesn't matter, your posture doesn't matter, but when you're praying and you're asking God for certain things, here's what I want you to do at the end of your prayer time. Be quiet, shh, and listen. God never talks to me. That's because I've never stopped long enough to listen. Does that make sense to you guys? You got when you're praying, it's not all about your words. It's not all about the request. It's not all about the praise. Stop and listen to what the Lord has to say to you. The second thing, let's go on in the scripture to verses 15 through 17. We'll read those real quick. Okay, so they've sent the troops to uh, Dotham and they've surrounded the cities and it says, when the servant of the man of God, this is not Gehazi, because Gehazi got leprosy and was kicked away from Elisha, this is another servant. So it says here, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. I love this guy, because he says, he goes back in the house, he goes, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Ask your servant, and Elisha says, I can just see this, don't be afraid. When I come to like a Pastor Dan and I talk to Pastor Dan about something going on in my life or one of you students come to the leaders or your parents or you're, you're freaking out and you're like, I don't know what to do. And you see your leaders go, it'll be okay. You're gonna be all right. Don't freak out. And Elisha says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those that are with, the more than are who with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and he looked around and saw, now listen, this is such a powerful statement, the hills full of chariot of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You think I had to remind Elisha of something? When did Elijah go up? What happened? Chair horses of fire and chariots of fire. And then all of a sudden, so they're standing in the city. And Elisha says, don't be afraid. And the servant is freaking out because they are surrounded by this enemy. And this enemy is powerful. And they gotta be, and it's Elijah, Elisha and his servant. There's two of them standing in the doorway. Elisha's like, don't be afraid, it's okay. Don't be afraid, we got this. And he didn't pray to change the situation. He prayed that God would open up the servant's eyes Seeing the city surrounded, the servant sought help from his master first. Do you do that? When you're in trouble and you feel like, if you're in this room tonight and you feel like there's some situation in your life that you feel surrounded and there's no hope and it seems like I'm gonna be overwhelmed by what's before me, I want you to know that the first thing you need to do is not pay attention to what's before you and what you're experiencing. I want you to take your heart and turn it to the master. I want you to go to Jesus and say, "And Jesus, I need your help. That's all you have to say. Jesus, help me. 
It's not about a lot of words. You never hear Elisha using a lot of words ever. Don't be afraid. Go to Jesus. The servant did the right thing when he said, oh my Lord, what are we gonna do? This is horrible. He's standing on the front porch thinking we're gonna die. To the natural eye, the situation looked hopeless to this guy. And Elisha prayed. Here's what I want you guys to understand. And I've told you this a thousand times and your leaders have too. Our hope is not found in a circumstance or situation. It's just not. I don't care how good a day you're having. My hope is not found in a circumstance or situation. My hope is found in a person. And his name is Jesus. That's why I gotta go to him because when everything seems to be in despair around me, if I got my hope and not in that, but in him, he helps me. He gives me peace. He quiets my heart. And he may not change the situation that's before you. It might not change a lick after you pray. But our hope is in the Lord because it says in Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him and he delivers them. Do you believe that? See, the servant had to believe Elisha to have faith to actually have God open up his eyes to see the fiery horses and the chariots on the mountainside. He had to have faith to believe that. Psalm 125, 2 says this. I want you guys to see this. Standing in, when you guys are in the big horns hunting this weekend, I want you to see this when you go up there again. When you're standing down in a valley and you see all these mountains around you, if you're up there hiking or doing whatever you're doing, just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. You're not gonna, it's not a losing cause. The Lord's for you who can be against you, the Bible says. Elisha told his servant, do not be afraid. We've not been given a spirit of fear, you guys. This is one of the scriptures that I want you guys to memorize. This is one for me that I say over and over and over and over again. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. That's not true. What I see before me is not true. The world has not come to an end. It's not come... It's not true, and I have to tell myself I've not been given a spirit of fear. I have no reason to be afraid. I got God on my side. So what I see before me, it's not true. It's just not. God's given me a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind, and that sound mind gives me the ability to remember who God is and say that's not true. Fear, Zach Williams' song, fear is a liar. You know why? Because fear comes from the devil. It doesn't come from God. The fear of the Lord is a reverent fear. It's not a trembling fear. We better have a fear of the Lord because he's God and I'm not. But it's not a trembling fear. Elisha did not tell his servant what he sees was not real. This really struck me, and I probably won't do a very good job explaining this. But Elisha never said, listen, don't worry. Those guys can't do anything to us. It's not real anyway. If you're in this room tonight and you're going through something, what you're going through to you is probably as real as the nose on your face. But the lie comes from this. All hope is lost. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm at my wit's end. I, there's nothing's ever gonna change. I just, there's no hope. That's the lie. What you're experiencing a lot of times, you guys, is real. We live in a fallen world and fallen bodies, and yet we walk around like everything should be okay. <laughs> Do you hear me? I'm gonna say that again so you guys get that. We live in a fallen world and fallen bodies, and we walk around like everything should be wonderful. 
It's not wonderful. Jesus tells us you will face many trials and tribulations in this world, but take heart, I have overcome. That's where your sound mind comes in. That's where knowing scripture comes in. And Elisha did not pray for the circumstance to be changed. He didn't say, Lord, change our circumstance before us. There's nothing wrong with praying that. But sometimes when we pray that, our circumstance is gonna stay exactly what we're staring down the barrel of. But it doesn't mean that all hope is lost. When I pray, my circumstance might not change, but what changes is my heart. Because God gives me, the, he meets with me. We sang it, be, God goes before me. See, here's what happens when I pray. When I pray, God hears me, he meets with me, he helps me in my heart. It might not change the circumstance or situation before me, but he changes my heart to deal with that circumstance and situation to his glory. And I'll get through it because of that. And I wanna do it to his glory. Before I go to God, I can't do it. I'm looking at everything from an earthly perspective like I'm the one taking care of everything. But when I pray and my circumstance doesn't change, that doesn't mean that God doesn't care. That doesn't mean that God's not even there. It means God might not be, you might not feel him, but he is always aware of what his children are going through. And we've gotta believe that by faith. How we fight is through prayer and praise. That's why I had to play those two songs, the battle and the praise. We fight our battles not like the world fights. I, I think I know why God laid this scripture on my heart because my wife and I went through this this morning because she's had some stuff going on in her life and she's going through some pretty tough times right now. And this morning we got to sit down and we got to look at what we're supposed to do with our enemies and we'll talk about that in just a second. But we pray and we praise. That's the weapons of our warfare. Because when we're praying, we're going before God and we're asking him for help. And we praise him, we recognize that he is the one who helps me. Psalm 42, 11 is a big one for me. <clears throat> Why so downcast, my soul? David's writing this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? And why are you disturbed within me? When you're discouraged, depressed, despair, whatever that is, just like King David, listen, King David, God said he's a man after my own heart. Again, we live in a fallen world and fallen bodies and we expect everything to be okay. But when you read scripture, it wasn't okay all the time for King David. And he says, why are you so downcast? Why so despaired? But finish the, finish the scripture. Put your hope in God for I will yet, what? Praise him, my savior and my God. Watch. Yeah. The devil's picking at you. He's like one of those birds. You see that dead carcass laying on the highway and that bird's picking at it and you drive by with your car, the bird goes up, flies in a circle, comes right down, starts picking on it again, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Have you lived there? Have you been there? Is anybody there besides me in life? I get that all the time from the scumbag devil, right? So what I do is when I say, but yet I will praise him, my savior and my God, guess who hears that? The devil. And it's my testimony that he doesn't get me. I have no authority over him, but what I'm doing is I'm preaching to him going, no, I'm gonna praise him because he's my savior and my God and I know he's here with me. Even if I don't feel him, I know he's, he's aware of what I'm going through. We fight a battle and it's not against flesh and blood, it's a supernatural battle, I really believe. I often tell people if we really knew what was going on in the world according to politics, we'd all hide in the house and never leave. We'd be scared to death. If we really knew what was going on in the world, it would scare us to death. But imagine what it would be like to see things from the spiritual realm. 
to actually see the battle that I believe, according to the Bible, is raging in this room tonight. If you've never read the book, This Present Darkness, I want you to read it. Because the thing that strikes me in that book is this. Angels are always standing at ready to fight for us. But in that book, it says the, the, the angels don't engage until the saints pray. Ooh, and I love praying out loud because the devil can hear my words. And I'm reminding him that I am saved by the blood of Jesus and my name is written in the book of life. That's all I need to know. Whatever else happens around me doesn't make any difference. That's the only thing we need to worry about. When you're facing challenges, I want you to remember spiritual help is there even if you don't feel it. I gotta wrap it up. This will be a quick one. You guys can read through this at your deals if you want. The third one is Elisha's heart. And I'll just tell you what happens here because I won't have time and I want you guys to get to your small group. Elisha, to wrap this up between verses 18 and 23, he's prayed, opened the servant's eyes. Now he prays, blind the enemy's eyes. And, he, and God blinded the eyes of his enemy and he led them into Samaria the capital where, where, the, uh, uh, where, where they were, all the Israelites were from. So he leads the army from the Arameans, the enemies, into the walled city of Samaria where all the Israelites are at. And as soon as they get in there, God opens up the, their enemy's eyes and they can see again and they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> they're in a walled city and they're in the enemy's camp now and all of a sudden things have changed. And the king says, should I kill him? Should I kill him? The king of Israel is like, should I kill him, father? Should I kill him? Because that's what we think, right? We want to be like that. I'll show them. I'm going to show them. I'll get them. They've been picking on us. They tried to kill me. I'll let them have it. Evil for evil always creates retaliation. It never works. So Elisha says, no, don't kill them. They're prisoners of war. Even back then, they didn't kill prisoners of war. What did he tell them? Give them some bread and give them some water and let them go home. He killed them with kindness. Jesus says we're supposed to pray for those who persecute us. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. We're not supposed to retaliate. Revenge is not mine. It's the Lord's. And I gotta trust that he's gonna take care of it when he sees fit that that time comes. Elisha handled things like Jesus handled things. Guys, turn to your small groups. Go over some of the questions. I didn't have much of a chance to get into that third point. When you guys get a chance, read through that. Look at the scriptures. Talk in your small groups and we'll turn back to the front of the room in a minute. Okay, you guys, if I can have your attention back up to the front of the room, I want to close with a song tonight to give you guys a chance to kind of reflect on what we talked about tonight. But I want to go back and I want to touch on something in verses 18 through 23 because this is where you see Elisha being like Jesus. You guys, if you will hang on, I, I have never, like I told you guys, I've never studied Elisha in this depth. And I believe Elisha is such a beautiful likeness of Christ in his discipleship, the way he followed, the, the way he followed Elijah, uh, just the different things. But the one thing that really struck me when I read this, this last week is how he responded to his enemies. When he told the king, give him something to eat, give him some water, and let him go home. Because that is 1 Peter uh, 3, 9, where it says, do not repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. And a blessing would be this, pray for them. You can't bless somebody more than to pray for them, you guys. And if I'm praying for somebody, I'm gonna have a really hard time hating them because I can't take my heart of hate to the throne of God because he's gonna deal with me first. Does that make sense to you guys? You can't do that. And it says, and give, uh, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. Are you gonna be obedient? 
It's not a suggestion, you guys. That's what God has called us to do. That's why you see in Elisha's life him being like Christ before Christ ever came on the scene. And he will grant you a blessing. And that blessing is that peace, that assurance in our hearts. But here's what I want to close with. To have spiritual sight, I put this at the bottom of your bulletin, to have spiritual sight, what you really need is insight to the character of God. I'm not, and, and if you don't line up with this, please forgive me. I'm not the guy who is the tiptoe through the tulip fellas. I don't believe everything's just joyful and praiseful and no, oh, it's awesome and God's blessing me. Even when I went through the hardest time in the world, I'm just, oh, I'm so blessed and no, I'm not that guy. Sorry, if you're that person, I'm glad you are. I'm not picking at that. But for me, when I'm down and I'm in a battle, even though I might have spiritual eyes, I still feel very deep what I'm going through. And I know you guys do too. I know this is one of the things that I want you guys to get. I know when we go through stuff, it is so deep within us that we don't know how to find a way out of it. Okay, but here's what I want you to know. Spiritual sight grows when you get more insight on who God is. And I wanna close with a song that's gonna seem really odd, but it's by Mercy Me, and it's one of my favorite songs, and I cry every time I hear it. Because I stand up here every week and tell you guys it's gonna be okay. And there's times in my life when I wonder if it's gonna be okay for me. I'll be very honest with you. There's times in my life that are just, sometimes in this song it says, but tonight I just can't. Tonight's too hard. I can't stand up here and tell you guys everything's gonna be okay. I have moments like that, but God helps me because I keep a spiritual focus on him. And I wanna encourage you guys, but when you're down and you're lost and you don't know what to do and it doesn't seem like God is anywhere to be found, he's not a parent, but he's always aware. He's always aware what his children go through. Job says his eye is always on me. You're never alone and you're never abandoned by God no matter how dark the situation gets. And that's why I want to play this song. I want to give you a chance to reflect. And it says the song is even if. Even if he doesn't change my circumstance, I'm going to trust him. Because I know the spiritual hope is there. Even if he doesn't rescue me for this, I'm going to trust him. Because that's having deep insight on the character of who God is. He's able, but it doesn't mean he's always going to do it. But I can tell you one thing he does. He loves you, he'll help you, and he's always aware of what you're going through. That's why we trust him. Corey, would you play that for me? When the army surrounded the house where Elisha and his servant were at, nothing changed. But Elisha prayed that, he would open the ser- that God would open the eyes of the servant. That's what I want you guys to learn to pray. Lord, my cer- circumstance and situation might not change. Please open my eyes. Give me the wisdom, Lord, as the book of James teaches us. Give me the wisdom. Open my eyes to see what's going on around me. And that way I can trust your will. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass before me, let it be so. But if not, your will be done. Lord, if there's any way this situation or circumstance could change, let it be so. But if not, your will be done. Because every time he allows me to experience something, to go through something, it's for my good in my relationship with him. That's having deep understanding and insight of who God is, that he's able And that's why we put our hope in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. I'm so grateful for your word, Lord. Pray for all the students and leaders in this room that we would help, just help us to remember these things that you've taught us tonight and over the last couple weeks with Elisha and the example that he sets of what it is and how we're supposed to treat our enemies. 
not with retaliation or revenge, but feed them and return evil with good. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what it is you would have to speak to us because you tell us the truth when you say, my sheep hear my voice. And that assurance that we have in our hearts that you know me and I'm known by you and that that causes me to follow you. But more than that, Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to remember that our sight spiritually is everything to us. And the more insight and the more growth we have in you, the better we'll see. So open our eyes when we need them open, Lord. Help us to remember to pray those prayers because a lot of times circumstance and situations don't change in the fallen world. But Lord, if you give us eyes to see, have, a, have the eyes of Elisha, we'll see the truth and the battle that rages around us and then we'll have that assurance that you're aware of what we're going through and you're there to help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Everyone have a great night.